you, Stephen. Thank you, Steve. Oh, so good to be back. So good to be with y'all. What a fresh morning it was this morning. So um, we just, uh, we had a wonderful time. Uh, myself, I, I, I'll just let you in on a little uh, martini household stuff. I, um, I thought it was a great idea. You know, I saw uh, there was a, a half marathon that was happening in Corrales, and so I was like, you know, my wife loves to run, so I signed her up, and, uh, and she's like, what? And she hasn't, like, competitively run in four, four or five years, because she had four babies in four years, and so I was like, you'll be fine, and I thought, you know, it's perfect, because, you know, I, see, this is where I struggle, where I really need administrative help, because I, I thought, well, it ends at 9.30, church starts at 10, she'll be fine, so... Um, you know, anyway, well, anyway, so she's, she's running or laying down somewhere. I don't know, but, uh, I had to take care of it. So I got the four kids ready and we kind of sent her off and then I brought the four kids here and, um, and if there's an emergency, they're going to call Steve Dragswolf because <laughs> they're, they won't be afraid of him. He's so small. All right. Uh, we, uh, we're going to continue in our uh, Hello Holy Spirit uh, theme here. We had a great time uh, last week with Richie Seltzer, who's a covenant friend of mine. How many enjoyed Richie? He was, uh, he, he was really fun. Um, if you haven't uh, watched his uh, training videos or maybe the sermons he taught, uh, you can catch those on our website or at uh, our YouTube channel at New Life City. Um, but before we, we start, I, I thought it would be fun. I have all these videos of people getting healed uh, on video, and, and there's something about someone's testimony of being healed that really inspires faith. And we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. It's one of the thing, core principles here, and that's the power of prayer for healing, power of prayer for change. We believe that prayer works, that God listens to our prayers. And, uh, and so uh, I think it would be really cool to, to share some healing videos. And I have ones that are, are wonderful. And that's so often, you know, they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, I think a video is like a million pictures or something. So maybe it's like a million words. Um, but, uh, you know, so uh, I want you to, to watch this and then I'll tell you the rest of the story. So um, here you go. And when you Jessica think it's over, it's not over. Uh, tonight, she came to the service um, she had a metal plate around her wrist, and uh, God did something amazing during the worship time, so we wanted to pull her out and just, see, just let her give her testimony of what God did in her body. So Jessica, tell us, what did you come here, um, and what was the issue? Okay. Um, for six, well, six years ago, I was in a really bad car accident, and I had a metal plate and three screws placed in my left wrist. And I went through physical therapy, and they told me that uh, I would only have the strength of an 80-year-old woman in my, in my wrist. And while I was worshiping, I was just praising God. I came expecting, but expecting for other reasons. I didn't actually expect God to do anything for me, <laughs> but he does. <laughs> and uh, when I was raising my hands, I just started clapping, and my left hand just got burning hot, and it turned red. And as you can see, it's still kind of red now. <laughs> and... Uh, then after I started seeing and feeling a tingling sensation, and I'm like, what is going on? I looked down, and the plate was starting to dissolve, and I grabbed my parents, and now it's completely gone. <laughs> and I still have the scar, but the plate is gone. <laughs> wow, so let's get a shot of this, Dan. The, this is the scar right here, mm -hmm. and now the plate went across this way? Yes. Okay. Yes. and it was about this big and about that long, and it protruded to a point where it was almost an inch off of my skin. 
And where were the screws? Did the you said the screws were along this side? They they screwed one here. As you actually, you know what? You can see the dents. Yeah. Do you see the dents where they used to be? I'm sorry. And you could actually feel the yes. screws. I'm touching this right now. I feel nothing <laughs> but flesh. This is actually kind of amazing. Praise God. And um, and so you said you started to during worship. Uh, you started to feel something. What, 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 can you kind of explain it? How far down your hand did it go? Honestly, I just was clapping my hands and I was getting all excited. And uh, I started feeling a red sense, like a tingling sensation from the top of my fingers to about right about here. And it just started burning hot. And like you looked at this hand and you can see my hand is still red because God's still doing some stuff. And uh, it just was on fire, basically. It wasn't like a hurting sensation. And then I started going like this, and I started feeling those screws almost pop out one by one. Now, now you said you came here, and you weren't yes. even believing for your own healing. You kind of just came believing for... And, and so in worship, can you kind of tell me, what were you thinking about? Were you, were you just thinking about God? Were you saying, or were, did this even come to your mind? No. Um, the, my wrist never came to my mind at all. All I wanted was to be in God's presence so badly, and I was jumping up and down and having a good time and praising the Lord like you would at a football game, you know, praising for your home team. So, But I was not expecting God to do what he did. Okay, and one other question is, was there a certain amount of pain that you felt daily, or was it no pain, just the, just the, the actual metal object? Well, when it was cold out, you could feel it, and it would kind of crack a little bit, you know? And if I ever had any metal next to it, it was a very weird sensation. As you can see, I've got a metal bracelet on. There's no more weird sensation. And uh, as far as, like, the strength, nope. Um, The only thing that I was limited to was my grip. Um, They said I had the strength of an 80-year-old woman in this hand. And now I have the same... I mean, they said that, but was that true? You did? Yeah, yeah. No, there were things, like, I couldn't open... uh, Pickle jars with my left hand. I can barely open a pop bottle with my left hand. I wish I had a pop bottle and I'd open it right up. Um, and yeah, other than that, that was about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Well, Jessica, we just blessed what God did in yeah. your life, in your hand. And we're just going to, the, the uh, testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So we're just hoping that people can see this and yes. take it around the world. And so that they know that they can get touched to, that God can dissolve things like metal out of their bodies and heal what was broken because he's the best healer. So bless you, Jessica. You have a great night. Thanks for coming. Thank you All right. I haven't done this in so long. Do you want the mic? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I opened a ball again. <laughs> I'm going to cry. You're going to give me a kiss. <laughs> wow. Okay. Do I get to keep this? <laughs> Thank you very much. That is so cool. Praise God. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> So good. Yeah, so Jessica had this experience during worship and came and uh, to the front and she gave her testimony at the worship time. And, and I, I said, Jessica, we got to get this on video. And so we went out in the lobby church area and we, we got it on video. But see, sometimes God will do something and we only see a part of the picture. We don't even know the whole reason. Like, why her? Why then? Why that? And, uh, and, and here's the rest of the story. So while we're doing this interview, um, we find out later that uh, there was an older man in the congregation. He had, during the worship, everyone's praising the Lord, and there was a lot of stuff going on. We were there for a week, and so that we were having kind of like these healing meetings, and, and, uh, and so he heard about them, and, and he went, and uh, he wasn't a believer, and he said, you know, and he's having this conversation with God who he doesn't believe in, and he just said, you know, God, I wanna believe. But it's hard. He said, Lord, I, I hear all these things that people are saying. He said, maybe 
just maybe if you healed someone I knew, I would believe. Few, few moments after that, he sees his granddaughter, Jessica, come on the stage and says, I don't know what was happening, but while I was worshiping and praising the granddaughter who he knew was in a car accident who had a metal plate, and he comes and gives his life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So that's the rest of the story. So um, I, I think this is, this is amazing. That's why we are a church that believes in the power of prayer and that we believe that prayer changes things. And we need to, we need to actually know that that's what we believe. So that our prayers aren't like playing the lottery. See, sometimes we equate God to playing the lottery. Like, is it possible? It's possible because I bought the ticket. But it is very highly, highly, highly unlikely. You understand? That's not, that's actually not prayer for faith. That's prayer for like, I guess it's worth it to try. Right? Like, I, I know people that are like, I will never play the lottery. Unless it hits half a million, then it's worth it for me. I'll try it, you know. I mean, why as well, right? I mean, who? But you know, you're not even like, you know, you hear these people like a year later, they realize, they find their lottery ticket and they're like, all right, I better check this. And they became a millionaire. You ever hear that? It's good. And that's how unbelieving they were about buying the lottery ticket. Now there's some people who are the opposite about buying the lottery and they need to stop buying lottery tickets. They, they have a faith. I'm going to hit it this, you know, whatever. <laughs> but that's not my example. My example is that normally people don't believe that they're actually going to actually hit the lottery. And unfortunately, when Christians are praying, they kind of put in prayers that way. It's not really with faith. It's with like, well, I'll put it in because it might happen maybe. And that's really not what we believe about prayer. We believe that God actually hears our prayers and that he's a good father and he wants to answer those prayers. And so we kind of need to change how we think. Not about the lottery, but about God. A few weeks ago, uh, there's, a, there's a family in our church, the Brownings, uh, Tashina and uh, Isaac have a little boy. Uh, they have two little boys, but, um, and Tashina also has another son, but um, their littlest child, Asher, uh, was going into, uh, up to Colorado to uh, some specialty doctors up there because uh, he has a, a, a genetic condition and he has to get a, um, a pump to his heart to feed it directly medicine. And um, they've had multiple, he's had multiple staph infections and it, it wasn't working. And, and I think there's not a, the prognosis is not good for, for Asher. And so um, the, the, the next option, which they were not sure even if he would make or survive this next option was to remove the line and to go to oral medication. And they'd have to monitor him for, for multiple weeks and, and so we brought him up on stage and we prayed as a church. We just said, God, we believe. We, we, we're gonna fight. We, we're, we're not praying like we're up here and he's down here and the parents are down there and if the parents don't believe, it's their fault. I mean, it's like, that's craziness. That's not what church is. It's we come alongside. We press in together. We do this because we're family, because we believe together. And, uh, and if it didn't work, we cry together. And we say, it's, it's, there's a tension there. It's not, it didn't happen, but we're still gonna go. Well, praise the Lord, uh, he had the procedure and the doctors and the nurses are blown away. Thank God for the doctors and the nurses who were there for us. But, but we're blown away at how well Asher was doing. He's doing so well that they sent him home early 
and he was here in the nursery playing without his backpack that fed his heart monitor. Isn't that amazing? That's the goodness of God, and we're gonna thank the Lord for what he did. He's alive, and it's, and it's, it's tangible. So uh, just a review of what we talked about uh, before when we were talking about Hello Holy Spirit two weeks ago. I talked about how the Holy Spirit is divine. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a part of the Trinity. The Trinity is one God, three persons, three distinct persons. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. It is a mystery. It's not that we're gonna understand the totality of the Trinity. In our, in our finite minds, we can't understand the infinite God, but the way he's revealed himself to us, we call that the Trinity. And if uh, you want more on that and you haven't heard the message, you can go two weeks ago on your YouTube channel. But, but that's what we're talking about, is that the Holy Spirit is divine. Also, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some invisible power. It's not a, a, an electrical force. It's not, even though the Holy Spirit has power, the Holy Spirit isn't just power. It's not, the Holy Spirit's a person. That's why we call this Hello Holy Spirit. Why? Because you can say hello to a person, but you can't say hello to an electrical so- socket. It has power, but it's not a person. You can't relate to it. Right. And so we need, as Christians should not treat the Holy Spirit as just some sort of invisible energy force that some people have equated him to. He's actually a person. And uh, and 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 I want to talk more today about uh, how the Holy Spirit uh, has been with us. And uh, he just like uh, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit before time, before creation was uh, uh, he's God. So he is a part of that. Uh, uh, before creation. And so I want to talk about the history of the Holy Spirit a little bit throughout the Bible. And then the Holy Spirit is personal. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit about that two weeks ago. Now, I'm not saying that you need to make every prayer to the Holy Spirit, but just like, you know, I pray every Saturday night and Sunday morning before I speak, I just say, Holy Spirit, would you just speak through me what you want to say? Would you tell the people what they need to hear? Not that I get glory, but that you get glory, right? That's just a, a, Holy Spirit, would you strengthen me to help me throughout this day? These are wonderful prayers uh, to pray to the Holy Spirit. Uh, You can pray to Jesus too. They're not like jealous over it. It's not like Jesus is like, well, when are you gonna pray to me? You know, it's not like that. Um, uh, You know, don't confuse yourself like that. They all point to one another and they um, they all honor one another. And, uh, and, you know, I, I just sometimes just pray, hey, Lord. <laughs> but uh, it's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, Genesis 1-2, we find that the Spirit of God was uh, before the forming of the earth. It said the earth was formless, means it was without form, and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of of the waters, that's Genesis 1-2. We know that the Holy Spirit was there. Uh, what I love about uh, the next chapter in Genesis 2-3, um, when God had created everything that he had made, he rested on the seventh day. How many remember God resting on the seventh day? Now, I, growing up in Sunday school, uh, I always you know, pictured God going up to his throne in heaven and just relaxing on that lazy boy chair like my, my dad used to do. You know, he'd come home from work, and he had a lazy boy chair, and he relaxed in it, and you just didn't bother him. He would do stuff with you just from the lazy boy chair. <laughs> you know, he'd play with the dog from the lazy boy chair, you know. 
And, and he was just that dad. Um, but, uh, and he's a beautiful man. But, uh, but I kind of pictured that that's what God did. He rested. Uh, he kind of departed and rested. But if we read it in this context, in Genesis 2, 3, it said that God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it, he rested from all his work. Some, some uh, translations will say, on it, he rested from all his work. Now, why is that so significant? Those little words, in it and, or on it, depending on your translation, is because the, the context of where Israel was at that time. See, um, this would have been profound to every religion that surrounded Israel. Israel was the only monotheistic religion in that day. Most other religions surrounding Israel, they're called the ancient Near Eastern religions, they would have been pagan. They would have had multiple gods. And actually, we know the stories of these gods. They would be, uh, uh, we have records of them where it would be stories of gods warring. You know, they would have their own creation stories. And their creation stories about how man started, how the world started, would be more crazy. It'd be kind of like they're warring and fighting each other, these gods. And, and the, the humanity was made out of the blood spilt of another god. And it, and it was just kind of craziness. And so when the Jews would tell of their god, they would say, there's not multiple gods. There's only one god. And he didn't have to fight to create the world. He spoke and it created. See how much more powerful the Judeo-Christian god is above any other pagan religion. It, was, it, it prophesied to them that there was one who was higher than any one that they had thought or made. And in addition to that, you, uh, humans, the, the pagan religions, they would have to build the temples for God to rest in, their gods to rest in. But here, our God, our Judeo-Christian God, the Jewish God, the, 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 the I am that I am, he built his creation and rested in it. See how much more profound that is. You guys okay? You, you good? You're so quiet. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. So we know that the Spirit of God was with us. And then there was the fall of man. The fall of man created a chasm between God and man because sin had entered the world. And no longer were we, uh, were we free. We were now bound to sin and the consequences of sin. And there was that chasm. And the Spirit of God was threaded through the Old Testament, but it, it would never remain. It would come on people and, re and come off of people. It would come upon people and come off of people. It would not remain until the perfect one came, who is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he had no sin. And so when the Spirit of God came upon uh, uh, Jesus and after his baptism, it remained. All right, so now uh, let's, let's just take a look here. We, we see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament uh, when uh, Moses was, uh, uh, had been called by God to lead the people of e uh, Israel out of Egypt because they were enslaved to Egypt. And so he's bringing them out. And, and the, Israel, the Israel people were so cranky and ungrateful and, and all this stuff. And I'm surmising this. So uh, you guys, I encourage you to read it yourself. But, but uh, God's like, hey, Moses, good luck. You guys, you, get, you just keep going. Keep going east and you'll get there. Like, I'm not going with you people. And Moses is like, God, you please, you can't leave us. You, what kind of God would you be to come out and just abandon us? You got to stay with us. And, and God said, fine. And so God kind of created a way that he could be encamped around them or inside their camp with them. And he told them to build something called a tabernacle. And this is kind of like a makeshift temple that would go with them wherever they went. But actually, they would go with it wherever it went because uh, God uh, would show up as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
And uh, wherever this pillar went or this cloud went, they knew that they would have to pack up camp and follow it and camp around that pillar of fire or cloud. Uh, there's an illustration right there. Thanks, John. You're getting so good, man. You're, good. You're so great. I love mentioning your name. Every, and now everyone knows who you are. Right? Uh, so so there, there would be, it would look basically like this. And, and there's all the tents. They were a nomadic people uh, in the wilderness. And how did they know the presence of God was with them? Because they would have to go outside their tent and they say, okay, he's still there, right? And there's the outer courts there that's uncovered and very, very symbolic. It's, it's what we call a typology uh, in the Old Testament, which points, it's a type that points to Jesus, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and the Christian life, it's like there's only one way in. That's the, the, to the right there. That's the entrance. And then the first thing there is the sacrifice. That's where you would sacrifice to, to, to uh, the, uh, Yahweh and uh, our God. And then, uh, and then after the sacrifice, there's a, a lavar, which is a basin, which is like a water cleansing that they would have to do. And then before they entered into the tent, they would have to, the priests, the high priest, where they would go into the Holy of Holies, they would have to be anointed with oil, which is very symbolic of what uh, our Christian life is like because we, the only way in is through Jesus, through his sacrifice, and then we have a water baptism. And a few weeks ago, we had a water baptism from death to life. And, uh, and then we have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's really important. You see, uh, <clears throat> if we were to break it down to three things, um, technically, we were baptized into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It's because we, it was the Holy Spirit who has to convict us who leads us, it's, it's that prevenient grace, it's that grace of God that comes on us, that, re, that makes us realize, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I need Jesus. It's actually through the Holy Spirit that we actually end up receiving Christ and we get baptized into Christ. And then we have our water baptism, right? If you're a Christian, you get water baptized. There's only one uh, person that we know of in the New Testament that didn't get baptized. It's not that he didn't go to heaven, he just didn't have time, he was hanging on a cross. It was one of the thieves. He says, to this day, would you, would you remember me? And Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise, okay? That's what we call an outlier. You know, it's not normative, but it happens, all right? You still, you still get in. But, but as, a, as a public Christian, we're, we get baptized from death to life, and then Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. There, there's uh, three Gospels uh, there's Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are called synoptic gospels. That means that they're similar. So they have the similar stories. They have similar parables. Uh, they start with Jesus's birth, and they, they skip right to Jesus's third year of ministry. And they cover the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And, uh, and, and, and then um, John, John wrote his gospel, and it's not a part of the synoptics. When you read John's gospel, I, I, I think John's like, hey, we need to cover the first two years of his life, of his ministry life. And so you have the woman at the well. You have uh, uh, the, the story of Jesus talking to Nicodemus where Jesus says, you have to be born again. How many know that, that you must be born again? And we actually use this current term in Protestantism, uh, you know, are you born again? Have you been born again? Because people would say they're a Christian. We're like, yeah, but are you born again, again, again? And it's a wonderful term. Actually, it was more, uh, you know, Jesus is the first person to say it, but it was a more popularized term by George Whitfield in American culture. 
George Whitfield was uh, one of the only people who had a transatlantic revival. He had a revival in the Great Awakening in, in England, and he had a revival in the American colonies. And he was going from church to church in the American colonies, and he found that a lot of the churches were led by these pastors who actually didn't know Jesus as their personal savior because being a pastor was like having a good political position in the community. And people went to church not because they had a personal relationship with Jesus necessarily. I'm sure some did, but the majority he had found would go to church because it was a cultural thing. It was like you would go to church on Sundays, you would do your thing, and you would watch, I don't know, they didn't have football back then, I don't think, so maybe they like watched something else, I don't know. Uh, but but uh, so... So George Whitfield um, really kind of made it famous again to be born again. Are you born again? You're coming to church. You're a cultural Christian, right? You're a culturally American Christian. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Actually, uh, George Whitfield had this famous saying, said, the reason why we have dead churches is because we have dead men preaching in them. No, I didn't say that. He said that. I wouldn't say something like that. That's disrespectful. That's, but, but he said it. He got away with it. But... Um, so let's, let's keep reading. Acts 1-4 says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, um, the, what's interesting about the synoptic gospels, let me just finish that thought. There's three synoptic gospels and then the fourth gospel, John's, which is not synoptic. They actually all talk about four things. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how you know it's important. Death, burial, resurrection, Jesus Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Actually, um, I'll read even one of them to you um, on um, Matthew 3.11. I didn't give John this, this slide, but it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So if you go Matthew 3. Mark 1, Luke 3, and John 1, they all have the same kind of saying, and you can look that up yourself, and um, thank God for Google, right? Okay, Acts 1, 8, it says this. Jesus is saying, but you will receive power, everyone say power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit is not power, it's a fruit of having the Holy Spirit. If people are lacking a lot of power in their lives, I, I kind of question, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire? Because you can have a lot of giftings, you can have a lot of you know, uh, 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 talents, you can uh, be really you know, charismatic in your uh, way you speak, way you talk, you might be really friendly, you might make friends easily, but that doesn't really give you power. I'm talking about the power to walk a sanctified life. I talked about that two weeks ago, how I was struggling and walking in a totally sanctified life and I had a stronghold in my life and the Holy Spirit came upon me and after prayer and fasting and broke it off of me. 
where it's no longer I was pulled and pulled and pulled and I'd have to fight to stay, to stay alive. It was now, it's not like I never got tempted. I just now had the power to go, I don't want that. Right? That's the kind of power. It's also the power to, to, to heal the sick. It's the power for evangelism and conviction of sin. It's, it's, these are all things that the uh, Holy Spirit helps us with. And, uh, and that's why the Holy Spirit's such a big deal. It hel- he helps you live an empowered life. And that's why Jesus said, it is for your good. He's telling the disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. Anyone who would think that Jesus was an advantage to the disciples, it was the disciples. Like, Jesus did everything for them. Multiplied food, healed the sick, healed, uh, set people free, got you know, the worst circumstance turned around because Jesus was there. And Jesus is now saying, it's for your good that I go away because when I go away, I can send the Holy Spirit to you. Jesus also said that there was, uh, uh, you know, that you could, you could grieve the son, you could grieve the father, you could, but if you gl- grieve or blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven. Now, I don't know exactly what that might mean. I'm not even gonna go there. All I'm saying is if Jesus gives the Holy Spirit that much honor, then I wanna honor Jesus and give the Holy Spirit that much honor. Okay? All right. And so we can be relational with the Holy Spirit. So now the, the disciples, they obey. There's 120 of them gathered in a room, men and women, and they, the day of Pentecost had come. Before Pentecost, Jesus was risen from the dead, and for 40 days, he was, he was revealing himself to people. See, a lot of people forget that part. He didn't just like show himself to one or two people, and they're like, I'll just tell everyone, okay, I'll write it. They're gonna take my word for it. No, hundreds and hundreds of people he, he, he revealed himself to. It was like unquestionable that Jesus was risen from the dead. And actually, if you, if you talk to any historical scholar, the mainstream scholars, atheist or Christian, they all agree that Jesus is a real historical person, okay? These are atheists. And you know what's crazy is that there's some Christian scholars that are atheists, they just devoted their life to studying Christianity. That's why you actually gotta be careful of what you're reading. You're like, who is actually writing this? <laughs> you know, like, but anyway, historically speaking, the, 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 uh, Jesus is a historical person. They all agree on that. Why? Because we have extra biblical writings that are outside of the Bible that actually talk about this Jesus who did things and had a following, okay? We, we know that Jesus was crucified and we know that the disciples found an empty tomb. We, we know that not just in Christendom, historically, we know that. We're just like, those, those guys are just like a step away from going, because he raised from the dead. They just, they just can't say it. They just don't want to say it, right? Because they don't believe. So we know that Jesus was revealing himself, sometimes walking through walls, okay? So uh, be careful if you pray for a visitation. You might get scared. No, I'm just kidding. But so he's walking through walls to reveal himself, and then um, the 40th day, um, he, he ascends into heaven, and now Pentecost is 10 days later. So that means for 10 days, they were in Jerusalem praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Because Jesus said, this is really important, guys. You're not gonna survive unless you have the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna be able to live a life that you have been living for the past three years without the Holy Spirit. That's how important he is. And so they pray and pray and pray. In Acts 2, 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came 
from heaven like a noise, a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them, or to them, tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled on the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Isn't it interesting that, that the Spirit revealed himself as fire and a cloud in the Old Testament, and when he pours himself out on the disciples, he's fire and wind. It's just interesting. And he rested on them. He's now with them. Let's just keep going here. I know I'm reading a lot of Bible, but this is good, right? You're at church. Okay, all right. The Apostle Paul says, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. If you're like, I don't know, this kind of sounds weird to me. The Holy Spirit's inside me. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Apostle Paul says this. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. The Holy Spirit is with you. You know, too, too often we have this kind of paradigm where we're thinking we, we come to God, which is, which is great. It's a great thing to say, but it's like you come to church, you, you, you experience God, you see God, you hear about God, and then you leave, and then you're doing your own thing, and then you're like, man, I really need to get to God again, and you come back to church, or maybe you do a Bible study, um, and I, I totally agree that we need Christian fellowship. I mean, I'm a pastor. I hope you come to church, right? I think iron sharpens iron. I think it's it's, 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 it's what we do is we celebrate Jesus as a corporate body for 2,000 years, and we're not gonna stop. But the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. He doesn't stay here. He's with you. And to ignore him is so tragic. It's tragic. Because you're, you're living an ill-equipped life. You're not living the most empowered life you could. And because he's God, there's that too. Listen, you might be a, a millionaire. Maybe you have a million dollars in your bank account. That's, that's amazing. If you do, that's awesome. And there are very well people like that could be here. And the text to give number is, what is it? Is it 850 Yeah, it's something. But that's amazing. If that's what you but it's not impressive if you don't know how to give it, if you, don't, if you don't know how to access it. If it's in your bank account, but you don't have a check, you don't have a, a debit card, you, 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 can't, you can't actually get it, or you don't use it, or you're like, yeah, my checkbook's somewhere, I just don't know where it is. Actually, uh, there was a, a young lady here, we, we, we had a babysitter a couple uh, nights ago, and, um, and I was like, uh, you know, uh, she, she didn't, uh, we, didn't, we don't have checks anymore, because uh, I need to reorder them, I changed banks, and, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, I, I, she didn't take Venmo or uh, Cash App or Apple Pay, all those digital ones that you can do, most people do now. Um, and she's like, I only take cash. I'm like, cash? I don't, uh, I, I promise I'll get it to you. I'll just have to figure it out. I have to like, go to a physical bank and get cash out and give it to you because I thought she had taken, you know, that she could take Venmo or whatever, which is fine. But the thing is, it's unimpressive when you have to pay something and you're like, I have it. I have the money. I just don't know how to get it to you. Look, all this that we have that Christ has paid for and that the Spirit of God's with us, if we don't access it or realize that we can access it, it's useless. He's, you know, it's like it's, you need to have the ability 
to have a relationship with the Lord and talk to the Holy Spirit. It's okay. All right. You guys are right. All right. We're almost done here. It says that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It says the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it explains what the wickedness is. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live a free life. How many of you have ever been set free from something that God's just set you free? It's just the most amazing thing. Look, I, I love disciplines and I love accountability groups and I think those, they're great and all that stuff, but it's like if you're not accessing the power of the Holy Spirit, you will always be relying on disciplines and accountability groups for the rest of your life. And this is not something that we try to do so that we, it's not something that God has asked us to do in our own strength. If he expected us to do it in our own strength, he would not have given us the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't have church. We'd have TED Talks. It's like, this is how you do it. Work harder. Call more people. Get better educated. Like, those are all great things. But that's not what God called us to. He actually called us to access the Holy Spirit so that we can live this abundant Spirit-filled, set-free life. I remember um, I ha when, I, when I was going and traveling a lot, we would be praying for the sick a lot. And, and when I would pray for the sick, you know, I, I, try, I constantly tried to put myself in a place where I knew I couldn't do anything. Because if we can put ourselves in a place where we can't do anything, we have to rely on God to do something. Because if people are asking me to heal people, I can't. But God can. And I think half the battle is us thinking that it's, it's all about us. Like, if they don't get healed, you know, it's like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? It's like, well, that's, that's not what you're called to. And, it's, and some people think, well, what about the person? Well, they're sick. The worst that they can happen is they stay sick. They're asking for prayer. They're asking to be helped. And so I, I you know, I, I remember we went, you know, I, so I, I, I say yes. People ask me, will you go to so-and-so and pray for so-and-so? I say yes. You know why? Because I'm like, man, it'd be awesome if God showed up. I can't wait to see. Because, you know, uh, I have friends who, you know, they, they, uh, they say, oh, I pray for Someone who's sick, I haven't seen them heal. I was like, how many people have you prayed for in the last, you know, year, two years? And like, like you went and laid hands on them and, and prayed that God would heal them. And like, it was a legit question. And I was like, I'll, I'll wait, just count, you know? And it's usually like, I don't, I don't know, maybe six, 10 people. Like, that's awesome. I've prayed for hundreds. Not everyone gets healed. But a lot do. Sometimes a step of faith is, is not how well you can furrow your brow. It's actually like, you know, like this isn't faith. Like, I really mean this one, God. That's not faith. Sometimes faith is, is being like, God, I, I know this isn't in my strength, but just stepping out your hand, putting out your hand, that's faith. Okay? 
So uh, I remember Daniela called, uh, there's a famous painter in Brazil, a Christian painter, um, and she, um, my friend's house, he has this painting with this, uh, the arm of God, like pouring out, it's oil painting, and he's pouring out oil out of a, 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 a cup thing, and there's a guy under there, and he's just receiving the oil from the Lord, it's this beautiful painting. Daniela painted that, and she's uh, famous, and, and uh, we were in Rio de Janeiro doing some meetings, and her family came to the meeting and said, hey, Daniela is extremely sick. She's been diagnosed with uh, bone cancer. She uh, is stage four. Um, she's, gotten, she's done all the experimental medicine testing that they could do, and it didn't work. She's now in what they, the Brazilian's version of hospice in a hospital gown, a hospital bed in her parents' house. Would you come and pray? So we're like, sure. And when we said yes, it wasn't like, yeah, we'll keep her in our prayers. Like, that's not what we're talking about. It was like, will you lay hands on her? See, I, I mean, I know God can pray just like long distance prayers, but man, I've seen him show up. I know he can work that way, but I've seen him so, show up so much more mightier when I do it in person. So just telling you from experience. So we jumped in a car and we went 30 minutes to the house of her parents and there Daniela was in her room in a hospital bed. She's like in her late 30s, early 40s. And um, I sat on one side of the bed, friend sat on the other side, and I mean, I just wanted her heels so bad, I, I closed my eyes, I'm like, God, would your power just come, Lord, I just bless her, and, and I felt this wind come across my face. And I opened my eyes, there wasn't no fan blowing, the windows weren't open or anything like that, and I look over and I see Daniela, and she's sitting up in her bed, and she's crying and laughing and crying, and we're like, Daniela, what's going on, what's happening? And she said, I don't know, I just feel waves of electricity waves of peace and waves of joy flowing over my body. And I was like, wow. Now, I didn't, I didn't go, you're healed, take it. You know, like, you don't have to talk to anybody about this. No, we said, that's awesome. Keep letting the doctors know what's going on. Keep getting checked up. Why? Because Jesus even told the leper to show himself to the high priest. It's not a lack of faith. If you think God healed you, to see if you got healed. If you got healed, amen, testimony, you know, God's doing great things, the doctor's impressed, you know, and oftentimes they won't even say that you're healed. They'll be like, you had this condition and now you don't, and I don't know why. You know, like they might do that, but that's all they'll do. They won't say you're healed usually. But um, uh, so, so we said, you know, so I don't tell people don't go to a doctor. If you're not healed, let's pray again. Let's keep going for it, okay? This is, this is healthy prayer, okay? So we, um, so I don't know, uh, uh, couple of people in Brazil that we communicate with who worked for uh, the ministry. And I just kept saying like, hey, can you check up on Daniela, find out how she's doing? And so they waited a month or so. And, and then they didn't respond to me, didn't get back to me. And I'm like reaching out to me. You know how like when I came into New Mexico, everyone like warned me like, this is the land of manana. I'm like, what's that even? I know it means tomorrow, but what do you mean? Like, and they're like, they're like, just know this is the land of manana. Like, when they say they're coming tomorrow, they might not come for three days. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, anyway, Brazil, it's like the land of next month. I don't know. It's like, so it took them a few, a few times, but, but um, they wrote back to me. And they, said, they said, Paul, this is incredible. Instead of getting worse and dying, Daniela just kept getting better. They rescanned her. All the cancer's gone out of her body, and within six months, she was back to work which is a powerful testimony of the power of God and the power of prayer. 
So I, I constantly want to see, you know, because I believe the Holy Spirit resides in me. And I take that belief to, in, you know, not an extreme, but to its fullest. Now, I'm not out of balance where I think I, you know, I think there's, there's in community, we build healthy culture. And when someone says, I think this is the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's against the Bible, I go, you're listening to the wrong spirit, buddy. Like, let's cut that back here, okay? Right, this is why we live in community. But, um, but you know, it, it is funny. Actually, I, I would tell people, I'll pray no matter what. And uh, at, at a meeting, uh, an ambulance driver had a call and he came and he brought me a dead person. And that was interesting. So, um, nothing happened. But I was like, I'll try. Um, yeah, I remember uh, when I was finishing my, uh, when I was in, engaging in my master's program, you know, I was a, year, a couple of years, many, many years for me, since I had last been in an education program. And so I, I, my first week of study, I was like, this is beyond what I, I can't even keep up. I'm reading books. I got to read a book and then I got to read a book to explain what the words mean in that book. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I go to the dictionary. Oh, well, why didn't they just say that? You know, like it took me 10 times longer to read something than it did normal people. And so I, I literally got down on my knees at Regent University next to the bed there at the hotel I had to stay in for the, the first week intensive. And I put my hands on my head because I knew I went, I put myself in a place where I couldn't go anymore and I needed God's help. And I said, Lord, would you expand my ability to learn, my ability to receive information, be able to keep it? And I felt, I literally felt Something happened in my head. Now, I didn't, my head didn't get bigger. Uh, but I ended up uh, graduating almost with a 4.0 all the way. I had a 4.0 for most of it. And then I, and then I got, I missed a paper. So anyway, whatever. We're not going to talk about it. Why don't you guys stand? We're going to have fun talking about a lot of these things. And I really do want to have a service where we focus on those who want to receive a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never received a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you don't know what that is. But we're going to continue to talk about it and teach about it. But I would, I would like you to start praying right now. Maybe you need an, a fresh encounter with the Lord because it's just been so long since you've actually had a, a close relationship with the Lord. And I would just encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. When you're in, on your own, you know, in your room, in your car, whatever, just say, Holy Spirit, I want your empowerment and I want a relationship so that I recognize that you're with me, that, that you proclaim the message of Christ, that, that but Lord, I just, I, I want to live an empowered life. Help me to do that. And, and, I, and I know that the Lord will meet you the most honest, vulnerable prayer, God will meet you there. And I've seen some amazing encounters happen with those little simple prayers. But I want you to get hungry. I want you to start knocking and asking right now in the next few weeks. Because when we have and a service where we talk about this and pray for this, the leadership here will pray for this. It'll be so amazing what God's going to do. Is that okay? Is that good, guys? Okay. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you've not abandoned us, that you, Jesus, you didn't just ascend into heaven and leave us as orphans, but Lord, you've sent your spirit to us. 
Holy Spirit, forgive us if we've just ignored you, if we've just lived our life thinking we're by ourselves. Lord, we recognize that you're here. We recognize that you are the helper, the comforter, the empower, the equipper, the one who comes alongside to give us what we need, the parakletos, as it's called in the Greek. Father, we know uh, that you've sent your son and the spirit of God to be here. Lord, we just pray that you would be with us as we go, that we would be filled with your joy, your peace. God, that you would give us solutions at work. When we can't figure it out, God, we know that where we stop, you, you begin. And so, Lord, we ask that when we go as far as we can, Lord, that as you help us, Lord, I pray that you would give us solutions in the workplace that we've never thought of before. God, I pray that you would give us solutions in our family that we've never thought of before. God, that you would equip us and empower us to overcome the, the things that are impossible to overcome because you're God. And we love you. We recognize you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to open up the altars here. Thank you, guys. We want to open up the golf clap. I love the golf. No, I'm just kidding. No, you guys are being good. But um, We want to open up the altars here. Um, if you're needing healing in your body, if you're looking for a breakthrough and you're needing people to press in with you, a family member here, uh, we want to pray for you. If you uh, a financial need, whatever it might be, we want to come alongside and help and pray. So ministry team, feel free to come up here and uh, we just want to open up these altars. If you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe you've never done that yet, we want to pray with you. Uh, we'd love to lead you to Jesus, okay? All right, bless you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Take care.